Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year, every year. That's right, 365 days per year and 366 days per year on every leap year. And thank you again for joining us for another Thursday installment of Another Christmas Story. This week's chapter, Chapter 17, It Must Have Been Old Santa Claus, will be read to you by listener McLean Slaughter. I don't have any housekeeping to go over with you all this week, at least at the beginning of this episode, so I'm just going to kick it over to McLean. Enjoy, y'all. This is McLean Slaughter, and unlike many of our readers, I don't have any sort of a podcast to plug here. Chapter 17. It must have been old Santa Claus. December 24th, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Upon disembarking their charter bus in front of Macy's Herald Square, Aaron and his peers found a crowd of people that rivaled, though didn't quite exceed, the throng of tourists at the base of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree that morning. The only difference being the masses were jostling for position in front of the department store's world-famous window display. Hurrying by them in both directions, both behind and in front, were last-minute Christmas Eve shoppers, clutching bags and boxes close to their chests as they moved as fast as they could along the icy sidewalk. An enormous inflatable Snoopy balloon, clutching Woodstock in his paws and wearing a Santa Claus hat atop his head, was tethered above the main entrance to the store, swaying back and forth precariously in the snowy wind, overlooking the swarms below without truly seeing them. Stick together, class, Ms. Warren advised loudly as her students made their way toward the first window in the display, their chaperones sticking close to them. Aaron was sure that they'd practically have to push their way through the legs of the adults in the crowd in order to even catch a glimpse of the window display, and was even more certain that they'd be forced to the back of the line when they tried. But apparently, being a small child carried some currency, even in New York City, a place he had always heard could be quite rude and cold. As the students approached, the adults nearest that didn't have any kids parted like the Red Sea to let them pass, and the kids from Tampa Palms Elementary School got their first glimpse of the animatronic displays within the windows, stretching the entire block. Each of the windows depicted scenes from a different Rankin-Bass Christmas special, and Aaron was immediately drawn to the one depicting classic moments from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This specific Christmas special had always been Aaron's favorite. But as he and his classmates admired the beautifully animated display, featuring Kris Kringle, the Winter Warlock, and Topper the Penguin skipping through the snowy wood, he felt his 
stomach sink. Given everything he had been feeling the past few days, he just couldn't find the magic in seeing the iconic moment brought to life before his very eyes. It just didn't bring him any joy. Determined not to bring Kevin, nor anyone else in his class, down along with him, however, he shoved a smile onto his face like a good soldier and began to ooh and ah with the rest of them as they slowly made their way along the storefront, moving window to window. Turning to stare up at the Snoopy balloon high above their heads, Aaron wondered if it was natural to feel increasingly like Charlie Brown around the holidays as you grew up. Were older kids and adults supposed to doubt what the season was about? Because between wishing he could be with his mother and siblings for the holiday, and his doubts about Santa Claus, Aaron truly had no idea anymore what the point of Christmas was, nor why he should be excited about it. After coming to the last window in the display, which featured Santa Claus being waved off by other iconic Rankin-Bass characters as he flew away from the North Pole, Principal Rodriguez's voice sounded loudly from behind Aaron. All right, students, please follow me inside. It's time to go and meet Santa Claus. To the dismay of the principal, the words were barely out of his mouth before his cheering and whooping students scattered in excitement, darting between legs and pushing past adults in an effort to make their way toward the main entrance of the store. Sorry. Rodriguez blushed as more than a few native New Yorkers threw annoyed glances his way. As Aaron and Kevin immediately followed Miss Warren, falling directly into step behind Holly and Margot, someone shoulder-checked Aaron hard as they rushed past him. Ow! he exclaimed, grabbing his shoulder. The culprits, Daniel and Chris, however, were already too far ahead now to be confronted, laughing hysterically without so much as a backward glance at him as they disappeared into a sea of people. Holly rolled her eyes before glancing over her shoulder and smiling wide at Aaron, who turned a shade of deep crimson in return. The inside of Macy's was cavernous, and it was stunning just how much it looked like a true Christmas wonderland. Christmas lights and garland wrapped around and intersected across the high ceiling, in the center of which hung a massive crystal chandelier, around which a motorized Santa Claus was flying around in his sleigh, accompanied by his eight reindeer. There were enormous toy displays, complete with motorized trains and massive teddy bears set up on the floor amongst the adult clothes, jewelry, and makeup exhibits, and peppered wherever they could fit were other pieces of Christmas iconography. Trees of various sizes, motorized reindeer, snowmen, angels, and red old-fashioned mailboxes that visiting children were supposed to put their letters to Santa Claus in. And as if to shatter any illusion that one might have had as to how crowded the inside of the store was, the inside of the store was even more crowded. There was barely any room to turn around or squeeze by anybody, so most of the browsing shoppers merely allowed themselves to be swept along in the moving tide of fellow human beings. Children! Children! Ms. Warren raised her voice and waved her hand through the air, trying to rein her chattering students in and establish order before they dived into the fray of people and got lost. Please form a single-file line and stick together. We don't want to get separated. As the kids hustled to comply, shoving and bumping into one another, Aaron somehow found himself at the very front of the line, with Kevin directly behind him, and Chris and Daniel directly behind him. Though the two bullies didn't say a word to either of them, they smirked maliciously at Aaron as Ms. Warren and Principal Rodriguez walked the length of the line twice, counting off the kids under their breath as they did so, and positioning chaperones on either side of it every few feet. 
when both school officials were satisfied that everybody was accounted for, Ms. Warren took her place at the front of the line as the principal took his place at the back. Onward, she exclaimed cheerfully before leading them into the fray of shoppers. As large as Macy's ground floor was, it turned out it was barely a fraction of the department store's overall size. The entire structure was actually much more massive than it appeared from the outside. The pretty young third grade teacher led her class up escalator after escalator, leading them higher into the building through various far less decorated departments. Reaching the sixth floor was like stepping backwards into time, for the subsequent ascending escalators became wooden, old-fashioned, and much rickettier. As they rose toward the seventh floor, Patricia Warren glanced over her shoulder to check on her students and immediately found Aaron staring down at his feet, lost in thought. At the sight of his melancholy face, the woman's heart broke for the boy she knew was having a tough time, noting that his frequent bullies were only a few feet behind him. Is everything all right, Aaron? She asked kindly, causing the boy to blink in surprise at being addressed. You seem distracted, she answered his unasked question. Plastering a fake smile onto his face, Aaron replied, I'm fine. Are you sure? Miss Warren asked, as they stepped off the escalator onto the seventh floor, landing before immediately stepping onto the one rising to the eighth floor. It's okay not to be sometimes, you know? I'm just thinking about the performance later, Aaron replied. Ah, the teacher nodded. Well, I have no doubt that you'll do great. All of you will. Try not to worry about it. Okay, I'll try. Realizing that was the best she'd be able to do in extracting information from her student, the teacher faced forward again. The moment her back was turned on Aaron, he let his face fall again. How could he have told his teacher about everything that was truly bothering him? Honestly, the performance was the least of his worries, at least at the minute. He didn't have much time to dwell on it, though, for Chris leaned past Daniel and Kevin at that moment in order to hiss at him, Teacher's pet! <laughs> a teacher's pet and a mama's boy, Daniel corrected in a low voice, causing his friend to chuckle. Would you leave him alone? Holly asked, making Aaron realize for the first time that she and Margot were positioned in line just behind his two tormentors. Why do you keep sticking up for him? Daniel demanded. Do you love him? Holly turned red at the words, which made Aaron turn pink in turn as they stared past the bullies and locked eyes with one another. Margot, however, was having none of it. Do you two really want to be jerks right before we're about to meet Santa Claus? Could you all shut up? Kevin snapped before anyone else could speak up. I'm trying to think. I need to figure out what I'm going to say to Santa. His five peers fell silent immediately, taken aback by their normally quiet friend's annoyed demeanor. He'd even been loud enough to draw the attention of Ms. Warren, who was about to turn around to find out what was going on when the escalator ride suddenly came to an end and she was forced to face front again in order to step off of it. Her heart sank at the twisting line of people before her, snaking around the floor that had been transformed into an impressive, magical-looking North Pole, complete with employees dressed as elves, animatronic woodland creatures, an abundance of toys, and a train chugging along the perimeter. As they stepped off of the escalator behind their teacher, the students stared around in wonder and excitement at what very well could have been Santa's actual workshop at the actual North Pole. They didn't seem to notice, nor care, how long the line was, at the very back of which stood a disgruntled-looking employee, a crooked elf hat atop his head, directing people where to go. As Ms. Warren began to herd the kids toward the queue, 
Both she and Aaron were taken aback by how quickly a young man, no older than thirty, and his pregnant wife cut them off in order to get in line before them. They came so close to mowing the teacher and her pupil down, in fact, that they had to stumble backwards in order to avoid being hit. Rude, Ms. Warren mumbled under her breath, as Aaron smiled to himself, noticing how happy the couple had looked. He figured they must have been extremely excited to welcome their baby into the world, and wondered if he himself would be lucky enough to have a wife and a family of his own in another twenty-odd years. As the third-grade students took their place in line behind the couple, Aaron stared around at the Christmas decorations surrounding them. His eyes immediately settled on a huge sign that read Believe directly opposite them, written in red cursive upon the wall. He couldn't focus on it for too long, however, because he quickly became distracted by Kevin counting on his fingers beside him. His face screwed up in extreme concentration. What are you doing? Aaron asked curiously. Kevin stared up at his best friend. I'm trying to remember everything I asked Santa for in my letter to him earlier this year. What did you ask him for? A new marching snare drum. Aaron's voice trailed off as he remembered his mother's warning to keep his expectations in check regarding what gifts Santa may be leaving under the tree for him. She had specifically said that a new drum would be expensive even for Santa, and yet he knew for a fact that Kevin had received a new iPad, video game console, and dirt bike last Christmas. Surely those three things put together would cost more than one drum. I guess I'll know Santa's real based on whether or not he leaves one for me under the Christmas tree. Kevin rolled his eyes. Dude, you'll know whether or not he's real when you talk to him yourself in five minutes. Trust me, have I ever led you wrong before? Aaron smirked grimly. We still have our entire lives for that to happen. Yes, but it hasn't happened yet, Kevin winked at his friend. Good point, Aaron admitted before sighing deeply. I don't know, Kevin. I hope you're right. My brother was just messing with you like he always does. I know, Aaron replied defensively, his cheeks burning red. But the more I think about Santa, the more I have questions. Like, how come he brings more toys to certain kids and less to others? How come Daniel and Chris both get any toys at all? You'd think they'd be on the naughty list. What did you just say? Daniel asked from behind them, clearly annoyed. He'd been deep in the middle of a private conversation with Chris, but was obviously distracted by the sound of his name coming out of Aaron's mouth. Before Aaron could reply, Chris placed a calming hand on his friend's shoulder. Leave it, he muttered. Warren. He nodded his head at their teacher, who was leaning against the wall absorbed in her phone, though she had glanced up briefly at the sound of Daniel's accusatory voice. Wisely, Daniel narrowed his eyes suspiciously as he stared at Aaron, but didn't say another word to him before he slowly turned back to Chris in order to resume their conversation. I think you're overthinking it, Kevin told Aaron as the line inched forward. Santa works in mysterious ways. Have a little faith. Aaron mulled the word faith over in his mind as he glanced once again at the word believe painted on the wall. It was... Macy's de facto Christmas rallying cry. I don't know, Kevin. Don't you ever feel like there's something more to Christmas than getting gifts from Santa Claus? Kevin furrowed his eyebrows. Like what? Like faith? 
Aaron laughed. Shouldn't there be more focus on, I don't know, Jesus or something? I mean, Jesus is the reason for the season, after all. Uh, but I, I feel like he always gets pushed aside in favor of Santa. And what about peace on earth and goodwill toward men? Isn't that a big part of the holiday season as well? A more important part than Santa and gift giving? Well, Kevin began after pondering his friend's question over in his head. Like, yes, faith is a part of it, I, but having faith is another way of saying you believe in something. Whether that's Santa Claus or the message God sent down to Earth along with his son, or the fact that people really are capable of one day achieving peace on Earth and goodwill toward men. Aaron stared at his friend as though he had never truly seen him before, surprised by the words that had come out of his mouth. As he thought them over silently, he glanced past his teacher, who was now talking to a blonde elf that had been walking the length of the line, toward the young, expectant couple just in front of her, admiring the looks of love and happiness that were written all over their faces. Then, before he could stop the words from pouring from his mouth, he confessed quietly, I just miss my mom. He turned back to look at Kevin. Jake and Amy, too. I just feel like Christmas should be spent with family, you know? Kevin nodded sympathetically, but before he could say another word, Daniel leaned forward. Ah, oh, the little mama's boy misses his family. He frowned in an exaggerated, mocking manner as Chris laughed beside him. I guess mommy doesn't care about you as much as you care about her. Otherwise, why didn't she fly into town to see you perform on stage tonight? Aaron felt his face turn red-hot in a mixture of anger and embarrassment. Be quiet, Daniel. He's right, though, Chris chimed in, a malicious smile on his face. Why else wouldn't Mommy fly in to watch you play the drum on stage with the Rockettes? You have a featured part. She must really hate you. Aaron curled his hands into fists at his side, doing his best to keep breathing deeply in order to quell his furiously shaking body. Before he could reply, however, Holly spoke up from behind them. Would you two stop? Chris spun around to face the girl, laughing in disbelief. Would you stop defending him? Seriously, just admit you like him. Holly straightened her posture defiantly, despite going pink in the face once again. It's none of your business either way, she replied in a dignified manner. You do, Daniel laughed as he stared between the girl and Aaron. Why don't you go find some mistletoe to kiss under? Margot rolled her eyes as they all continued to shuffle forward in tiny increments. Give it a break already. Why? Daniel demanded. We were just pointing out to Aaron how sad it is that his mother doesn't love him enough to fly into New York and see him perform. Aaron's mother didn't fly into New York because she's poor, not because she doesn't love him. Margot rolled her eyes again, as though this were the most obvious thing in the world. Right, Aaron? Aaron, whose embarrassment deepened at the girl's well-meaning defense, which caused Daniel and Chris to break out into another round of raucous laughter, replied through gritted teeth, I don't know, Margot. Margot blinked in confusion before turning to glance at Holly as the group rounded the corner along with the rest of the line. Was it something I said? Holly sighed before flashing Aaron a weary, apologetic smile. Before Aaron could say anything to her, however, Daniel pointed out, in all seriousness, Aaron, it does suck that your mom can't be here to see you on stage with the Rockettes. It, 
means that she won't get to see you one last time before Krampus comes in the middle of the night to snatch you and take you away. Shut up, Kevin demanded, annoyed and exasperated. Took you long enough to pipe in, Aaron pointed out bitterly. Give me one good reason to shut up, loser, Daniel demanded. Santa! Kevin motioned past their teacher, still texting on her phone, oblivious to the world around her, at the big man himself, who had finally come into view, sitting on a magnificent golden throne. All six children, along with the rest of their classmates behind them, felt their mouths drop open at the sight of the man. Aaron, like the rest of his classmates and many other people in the country and around the world, had always heard that the Macy's Santa Claus was the real Santa Claus. And judging from looks alone, he thought there might actually be a chance that was true. The man sitting before them, who'd been joined by the young couple that had been just in front of them in line, was not only legitimately old, had a legitimately white beard, was also wearing the most fantastically beautiful-looking Santa outfit that Aaron could ever imagine. It looked absolutely ancient, as though it had been around for centuries. Aaron stared so long at Santa, watching as he talked to the young pregnant woman and her husband, that it took him a moment to realize that Kevin had turned to face him with a huge smirk on his face. Well? Aaron shook his head and gave a small shrug, unsure of what else to say, except, wow. Kevin clapped a hand onto his shoulder with a laugh. I told you that Santa existed, buddy. Then, throwing a smug look back at Daniel and Chris, he added pointedly, I guess you don't have to worry about Krampus visiting you tonight after all. Daniel and Chris both stuck their tongues out at Kevin, annoyed by the words, while Aaron smirked. Kevin wasn't the bravest person in the world, nor the most confrontational, but when push came to shove, he knew that he could always count on his best friend when it mattered the most. Clapping a hand on his friend's shoulder in return, the two boys turned back to face Santa again, just in time to see the pregnant woman visiting with him. Her arms wrapped around his neck, kiss him full on the lips in front of her husband at the exact moment that a camera flash went off. The action elicited gasps from the employees dressed as elves, and howls of laughter from all the children in line behind them. While Santa looked truly embarrassed by what happened, the adults waiting in line with their kids looked none too pleased. Indeed, Ms. Warren was so taken aback by the action that she had gone pink in the face herself and called over to an employee standing nearby in order to complain about the store's inability to maintain a family-friendly environment, though not until the young couple had already paid for their pictures and hurried away. I guess Mommy really did kiss Santa Claus, Holly intimated to Margot somewhere behind Aaron, eliciting a laugh from her friend. Before Aaron could fully process the shock of what he had just witnessed, however, the elf at the front of the line called, Next! And Kevin shoved Aaron forward. That's you, go on! Aaron stumbled forward, blinking in surprise, as he made his way toward Santa Claus. Though the man only sat a few feet away, the boy felt like it took hours to cross the floor to meet him. The entire time, Santa smiled warmly in his direction, and when he finally reached the living legend, he stood meekly in front of him, unsure of what to do, noting how much taller and stronger he looked up close, despite having a round belly. Patting his knee, Santa asked kindly, "'Aren't you going to sit down?' Oh, yeah, right. Aaron blushed as he awkwardly climbed onto Santa's knee, doing his best to ignore the watchful eyes of his classmates. Santa adjusted Aaron atop of him so that he could sit more comfortably. That's better. Now what's your name? 
Aaron. Aaron, Santa repeated, his blue eyes twinkling behind his half-moon spectacles. That's a nice name. One of my elves is named Aaron. The boy laughed. And what do you want for Christmas, Aaron? Aaron opened his mouth to reply before pausing hesitatingly. Glancing from his teacher, still ranting about the inappropriate display of affection her class had just witnessed, to his friends who were staring intently in his direction. Meeting Holly's eyes, she made a motion with her hands, as though to encourage him to speak. Turning back to stare up into Santa's face, Aaron admitted guiltily, I'm not sure if I should tell you. Santa furrowed his eyebrows. Why not? Well, Aaron hesitated. How do I know you're the real Santa Claus? Why would you think I'm not? It's just, wouldn't the real Santa Claus know my name without having to ask? Aaron asked, his voice sheepish. And wouldn't he already know what I want for Christmas? It is Christmas Eve, after all. Santa chuckled in response to the questions, and Aaron was taken aback by how natural the ho-ho-ho-ho sounded coming out of his mouth. It was clearly part of his real laugh, not part of an act he was putting on. Both fair points, he admitted, but I assure you I'm the real deal. How am I supposed to know that? Aaron asked, a hint of desperation in his voice now. Without hesitation, Santa replied, Feliz Navidad, je suis le Père Noël. So quanto sia difficile credere in me mentre cresci. Aber ich versichere dir, ich höre nie auf, an igern demanden von dir zu glauben. Ja, taxia nie verjuv dobro tu celovicestva. Job tak log log hen jo Christmas, ke jadu men vishvas karate hen, men hamesha majud rahunga. Aaron stared blankly at the man, his mouth agape. Uh, what? Santa laughed. I know every language, so I can communicate with children all over the world. I even know sign language, he added, moving his hands through the air, effortlessly signing the words as he spoke. What did you just say? Aaron asked. Does it matter? It does to me. Why? Doesn't the fact that I know all these different languages prove that I'm the real Santa Claus? When Aaron merely continued to stare at him with a look of uncertainty on his face, the man's smile widened, and he replied, signing the words as he answered, I said, Merry Christmas. I am Santa Claus. I know how hard it is to believe in me as you get older, but I assure you I never stop believing in any of you. Nor do I stop believing in the goodness of mankind. As long as there are people who believe in the magic of Christmas, I will always exist. And I will always strive to make this world a little bit of a happier place by spreading Christmas cheer every year. That I promise you. Wow, Aaron breathed, amazed. What languages? Spanish, French, Italian, German, Russian, Hindi, Chinese, and Japanese in that order. Santa winked before pointing out, You still look unsure. Do you want to pull on my beard? I assure you it's authentic. And to prove his point, the old man tugged hard on his whiskers, wincing in pain. Aaron shook his head before admitting with a smile, I can tell it's real. Then why are you still doubting who I am? I guess I just doubt that Santa Claus exists at all, 
Aaron admitted guiltily, causing the old man's eyes to widen in surprise, clearly hurt. Sorry. Before Santa could reply, one of the elf employees hurried over to them. All right, ready for a picture? Not yet, Santa replied in a polite yet firm voice. We're in the middle of a conversation. Oh, but Santa, we have a line of kids. And I promise I'll get to each and every one of them, Santa assured the Macy's employee before shooing him away. Glancing back at the waiting line, Aaron saw many annoyed and impatient faces staring at him, many of them belonging to his own classmates. When Santa spoke again, however, he turned to face him once more. Why don't you believe in me anymore? I just find it hard to believe that you do what you do in one night. It's called magic, my boy. My brother Jake told me that Santa doesn't exist and that I should grow up, Aaron informed him, and then my mom told me that parents help you with the gifts on Christmas Eve. Parents are integral to my operation, yes, Santa conceded with a smile. Let me ask you, Aaron, have you ever heard of a little girl named Virginia O'Hanlon? Aaron shook his head. Well, back in the late 1800s, she had her doubts about me, too. When she asked her father if I was real, he told her to write into the local newspaper, The Sun, and ask the editor, rationalizing that if she saw an answer in print, it must be true. So one of the paper's editors, Francis Farcellus Church, wrote an editorial addressing the question. He proclaimed, Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. The full response is too long for me to quote in its entirety, he chuckled, but he basically reasoned that an age of skepticism had sadly eradicated the ability of many people to believe in that which they do not see. You see, Aaron, seeing isn't believing. Rather, believing is seeing. Only faith, fancy, poetry, love, and romance can push aside that curtain and view and picture the supernatural beauty and glory beyond. There is nothing more real to any of us than that in which we believe in, whether we can see it or not. Whether that be God, fairies, Santa Claus, or something more verifiable like the goodness in humanity. So although you may not believe in me, Aaron, he continued, a little more somber now, don't let your belief in anything else slip away completely. Belief is so important. That's why Macy's has these signs hanging up everywhere you turn. He motioned at an enormous Believe sign painted on the wall, before reaching into one of the pockets of his coat and pulling out a piece of paper covered in tiny print. When you get a chance, you should read this. He placed it in the boy's hands. It's a copy of Francis Church's response to Virginia, reprinted in its entirety. I give it out to all of the kids who visit me, whether they believe in me or not. He winked. Aaron stared down at the piece of paper in his hands, in awe of Santa's inspiring words. And it was in that moment, in his gut, he absolutely knew, deep down to the very core of his being, that the man he was talking to was the real Santa Claus, and that Jake had been wrong. Santa did exist. As he stared up into the kind eyes of the old man, a wide smile broke out across his face. Thanks, Santa. You're welcome, Aaron. Aaron threw his arms around the old man, and as Santa hugged him back, the flash of a camera went off, capturing the moment. When they finally broke apart, Aaron asked about something else that had been bothering him. What's the true meaning of Christmas? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men, Santa replied immediately. 
spending time with those you love, whether family or friends, and giving to those less fortunate than yourself. And if you're religious, looking toward the example that Jesus set during his time on the planet. Why do you ask? Well, because sometimes it seems like all of that gets lost in the gift-giving, Aaron admitted. And I don't know, he shrugged. I guess I was just starting to wonder if there was anything more to it than that. There absolutely is, Santa ruffled his hair playfully. You're a good kid, Aaron. Now, he clapped his hands together authoritatively. Are you going to tell me what you want for Christmas or not? A new marching snare drum, Aaron replied excitedly. The one I have is getting so old. Santa nodded. I'll see what I can do. Anything else? Aaron's smile faltered. Well, if it's at all possible, I'd really love my brother Jake to start treating our mom better. She tries so hard with us, but it's not exactly easy. There are three of us and only one of her. She, she does her best. And if you could, I'd love her to be able to have an easier time this year financially so she's less stressed and doesn't cry so much at night when she thinks we're asleep and can't hear her. She deserves better than that. Santa's face fell gradually the entire time the boy talked, until an expression of heartbreak had replaced the smile that had been there moments before. That's a big ask, Aaron, he replied regretfully. I'll try my best, though, okay? I promise. Then, with a nod, he reiterated, You're a really good kid, Aaron. Thanks, Santa. Santa! The elf who'd interrupted him a few minutes earlier marched over again, irate now, as he gestured wildly at the queue of people waiting to see him, which was now longer than ever. I know, I know, Santa replied, exasperated. Sorry. He held up a hand of apology at the people glaring at him from where they were waited in line. It was nice meeting you, Aaron. You too, Santa, and thanks, he added somewhat sheepishly, for making me feel better. I'm glad I could help. Aaron hopped off the man's lap and started walking away before he ended up stopping in his tracks as one last question that had been bothering him came rushing back to the forefront of his mind. Santa! He spun to face the man again. Yes? Santa smiled curiously, much to the annoyance of the Macy's elf that had been in the process of ushering Kevin forward. Is Krampus real? Aaron asked his voice barely more than a whisper as he approached the man again. Krampus, Santa repeated, surprised. Who told you about Krampus? Aaron glanced at where his classmates were standing, spotting Daniel and Chris near the front of the group, clearly mocking him. Nobody important, he muttered darkly. Santa turned to see where Aaron was staring. Ah, he nodded his understanding. Don't worry about bullies, Aaron. They'll grow up eventually. They're usually just jealous of good-natured people like you, and thus try to make them feel bad. Those two may not like what I leave them for Christmas, he added with a wink that took Aaron by surprise. As for Krampus, you don't have to worry about him, trust me. Aaron flashed the man in red one last smile before waving goodbye and hurrying away from him so that Kevin could have his turn. As he walked over to where his teacher stood, Aaron breathed a huge sigh of relief, feeling lighter than he had all day. Glancing down at the copy of the newspaper article he had been given, he began to read it in full as he waited for the rest of his class to have their turns talking to Santa.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Oh, thank God, Megan Rankin wearily exclaimed, happy to be getting an update on when their plane would be landing. They'd been circling above Manhattan for close to two hours, unable to land due to the fact that Winter Storm Elsa had officially began to pummel the northeast and had been quickly growing in intensity since they had taken off from Florida. Due to the turbulence, it wasn't a gentle circling of the city either, resulting in various passengers clutching their armrests in fright while mumbling their prayers, getting sick, or comforting their crying and restless children. Amy had been screaming her heart out for the better part of an hour, and Megan was beginning to wonder how it was possible that her daughter had any voice left at all, let alone any tears. But somehow she did, and she was so upset by the bumpy ride that she had made herself sick and spit up all over her mother's sweater. Because she was unable, due to the turbulence, to leave her seat to go to the bathroom and clean herself up, all Megan could do was pull out a baby wipe from the diaper bag at her feet and dab the vomit off of her shirt. It left a dark, wet spot in its place, but was unfortunately unable to remove the smell of puke. Jake, meanwhile, pretended to be asleep beside her. Megan could tell, however, that her son was merely faking it due to the impatient shaking of his leg. He was clearly as restless as the rest of them. While slightly annoyed that he was feigning sleep instead of offering to help her with his baby sister, Megan didn't feel the need to try and force him to. She didn't want to deal with his whining on top of Amy's crying. Nor did the people in front of or behind them, she was sure. They were clearly peeved enough with the baby's wailing, judging from the pointed looks they were throwing at Megan. The moment the pilot's voice sounded over the plane's loudspeaker, however, Jake's eyes snapped open and he pulled his headphones off to listen. Did you have a nice nap? Megan asked sarcastically. Shh! Jake hissed, flapping his arms at her to shut her up so that he could strain to hear the captain's announcement. We have finally been cleared for landing! Cheers erupted at the statement, though they were quickly replaced by groans of frustration when they heard what the captain went on to say. Unfortunately, due to conditions on the ground, we will be unable to touch down at Newark Airport. Instead, we've received clearance to head north and land at Westchester Airport, where conditions are slightly safer. Megan deflated immediately. Westchester was almost an hour's drive from Manhattan on a good day in normal traffic conditions. Who knew how long it would take in the middle of such a bad snowstorm? Please keep your seatbelts fastened, as it's going to be a rocky descent. And with that, the plane speakers went silent, and the angry buzzing of frustrated passengers increased in volume. Beside her, Megan noticed Jake lean back in his seat, visibly relaxing in front of her eyes. Thank God, he mumbled to himself. For what? Megan demanded, annoyed, before she could stop herself. We're finally going to get off of this damn plane soon, Megan, Jake rolled his eyes. In Westchester, Megan reminded him, nowhere near Manhattan. Who the hell knows if your grandmother will be able to get off the island to come pick us up, or how long it would take, or what we'll do if she can't. Who cares, Jake asked, exasperated. We'll get into the city eventually. I don't want to miss Aaron's performance, Megan spoke through gritted teeth now, trying to remain patient. Well, if I were you, I'd pray for a miracle, Jake suggested. Then, placing his headphones back over his ears, he closed his eyes once again. Rather than trying to argue with her son any further, or scolding him for being so callous, Megan instead decided to take his advice. And so, as she did her best to comfort Amy with cooing sounds of adoration, Megan silently prayed to the universe, 
begging whatever higher power existed to get her into the city in time to see her youngest son perform at Radio City Music Hall that evening. So when I was asking people to help bring the story of mine to life by lending their voices to the podcast, I knew when I got to chapter 17, I would need somebody who could do a variety of different languages and pull it off, making it sound like they were fluent, like Santa would be. And I am happy to say that McLean Slaughter knocked it out of the park. Like every other reader who's come before him, he has raised the bar. So thank you, McLean, for lending your amazingly soothing voice and your talented voice to help me bring this book to life. I'm grateful to you and everyone else who has done so so far and all of the other readers we have coming up, just as I'm grateful to all of our listeners for taking this year-long journey with us and strapping in for the long haul to see where these characters and this plot goes. I appreciate each and every one of you more than you know, so please keep the feedback coming and please, if you are enjoying the story, consider sharing it with your family and friends on your social media feeds in order to get it in front of as many ears as possible, or as many eyes, because the text of each chapter you hear is made available on our website each week as well. So if reading is more of your thing or more of their thing, they can read our weekly installments at www.tispodcast.com. And if you want to try helping my dream of getting this published or turned into a film or reality, when you're sharing this episode, tag your favorite publishing house as well, tag Netflix, Hulu, Hallmark, whoever, because you never know what can happen. And if you enjoy Tis a Podcast proper, if you ever want to comment on a movie or television show that we cover, give us feedback on a specific episode, comment on this book, or just interact with us and other listeners of the show, check out our social media feeds. All you have to do to get to each one is go to www.tisapodcast.com slash Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, or Facebook group. Our Facebook group is by far the most active of our social media pages. It's always busy year-round, and not just with Christmas chatter, although that's obviously our primary focus. There's plenty of talk about comic books, pop culture, movies, TV shows, memes, and other holidays as well, especially those other Burmonth holidays like Halloween and Thanksgiving, which we all love. It's also become a one-stop shop for many of the Christmas podcasts that you know and love on the Christmas Podcast Network. So not only will you find new episodes of Tisa Podcast there and get to interact with Julia, Tom, and myself there, but you'll also find new episodes of Totally Red Christmas, Christmas Clatter, TGI Podcast, A Cozy Christmas Podcast, Advent Calendar House Podcast, all of your favorites, including some non-Christmas podcasts like Michelle Kidwell's Horribly Genius, posted there as well. And find all the hosts of said shows you know and love on the website too, always willing to interact with anyone and everyone about anything. And speaking of interacting with people, the group is filled with people from all over the world, so no matter what time zone you're in, there will always be somebody online willing and active to engage. Seriously. A mini Christmas family has truly formed within the Facebook group, and it is a thing that Tom, Julia, and myself are most proud of that sprung from the show. But speaking of the show, if you want more bonus episodes, Christmas cards, enamel pins, ringtones, etc., check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash or www.tisapodcast.com slash Patreon. 
For as little as $1 per month, you can get full-length bonus episodes of the show. We have been dropping just about one bonus Patreon episode a week for the past month, and we have no intention of slowing down. So if you're not a patron yet, now's the time to join, especially as we get closer to the Burr months, because we are racking up the content for Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas itself especially. Also, I know I owe some of our patrons stickers and pins, which haven't gone in the mail yet, so if you are still waiting for yours based on your subscription level, just reach out via the Facebook group and let me know, because I'm trying to compile a list and get all of those in the mail this upcoming weekend. There are other ways to help the podcast, however, besides subscribing to Patreon and engaging with us on and sharing our social media pages, you can help the show in a free way by leaving us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners to find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Coming up on our main show this upcoming Monday, May 31st, which is insane, we're already at the end of May, you'll get to hear our episode in which Tom, Julia, and myself discuss Die Hard 2. And on Tuesday, Tom, Julia, and myself will be recording our episode on the Vicar of Dibley Christmas episodes, which will drop in your main feeds on Monday, June 7th. Before that, however, on Thursday, June 3rd, we will be dropping chapter 18 of another Christmas story entitled You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, which OG listener Charlene Lewis will be reading to y'all. And in it, we'll switch back to the point of view of our college students, Elizabeth Meyer and Noah Clark. So that'll be exciting. Keep your eyes out for that. And once again, thank y'all for your love and support. We couldn't ask for better listeners in the world than all of you. You're truly the best, and we are so lucky we get to consider all of you friends and a large chunk of y'all family. So do your homework, watch Die Hard 2 and The Vicar of Dibley. We have lots of fun, exciting stuff coming up, but that's not the most exciting news we have. To reveal that, I'm going to kick it back to McLean. Only 212 days until Christmas. Can you believe that? We're going to be under 200 soon enough, and Leon Day is under a month away. We are about to overcome the halfway point from which it's all downhill. So get pumped, and until Monday, y'all, have a great weekend. I think I saw old Santa through my window Christmas Eve. My eyes were really droopy, but I really do believe it must have been old Santa, cause I saw his big red head, and I know my mom and dad can't buy like that, oh no. I heard some footsteps in the hall outside my door The same old Christmas trick my dad had played since I was four He stands outside my bedroom yelling ho 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 Because he knows I don't believe in Santa Claus My daddy sees me peeking from my door But he pretends he's Santa anyway Every year he tries to fool me But I'm a big boy now I don't believe in Santa or his sleigh No way So I went back
to my bed And I curled up nice and tight I stared out of my window And I looked into the night And then all of a sudden Through my window I could see Santa Claus was flying by And smiling at me Hey, ho, 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 ho.